What really happened to Yitzchak Avinu's eyes? We know that later in life his eyesight failed him and that's how Yaakov was able to get the brochas that were intended for Esav. But what actually happened? And what lesson can it teach us? There are three possibilities and each one raises its own set of questions. Allah Posuk commenting on the Pasuk that says, Vayiki in Yitzchak, that was when Yitzchak grew older, Vatichen Oinov Meroys, his eyesight began to fail him. Hevirashi Shloisha Pirushim, Bebirusivas Vatichen. Rashi quote, <coughs> quotes three possible reasons why his eyesight weakened. One is Ba'ashanon Shel Elu, it's because of the smoke of Esau's wives, Shahoyim Ashnos Maktiris Lavedozoro, who were bringing incense and doing all their thing for idolatry, and that smoke affected his eyes. Or Davaracher, an alternative explanation is Kishenekad Agabe HaMizbeach at the end of Pashas Vayera when he was placed on the Mizbeach and was almost killed. At the time that Avram Avinu was ready to shecht him, at that point the heavens opened, and the Malachim saw what was going on, and they cried over the potential loss of Yitzchak, and their tears fell into Yitzchak Avinu's eyes, searing his eyes, and that's why his eyesight later failed. And the third possibility that Rashi suggests is the whole thing was a setup so that Yaakov should get the brochas that were, in Yitzchak's mind, intended for Esav. So three things about this that we need to understand that don't seem to make sense. Aleph, firstly, Who needs to explain at all why his eyesight failed? The Pasuk tells us. The beginning of the Pasuk says, Yitzchak grew old. And if you read the Pasuk simply, it sounds like, and as a result of that, his eyesight weakened. And we find a similar thing with Yaakov Avinu later on, that Yaakov Avinu's eyes also deteriorated because of age. And that's no surprise. Something we observe in normal life. That people's eyesight wanes as they get older especially when they're considerably old. If the Pasuk already gave us a valid reason why Yitzchak's eyes failed him, why does Rashi have to dig up three other apparently in, uh, not so strong, such strong reasons? Well, who needs those reasons? The Pasuk told us he's old. That's why he can't see so well. Number two, any time that Rashi brings more than one explanation to a Pasuk, you can be 100% guaranteed that it's because it means each of those explanations has a certain element about it that is very difficult to wrap our heads around, whereas the other commentaries won't have that specific problem. And for that reason, the order in which Rashi presents those different explanations is very precise. He'll obviously quote the second commentary as the one that has a bigger problem than the first. And then, of course, the third pirush is the one that is the most difficult to accept out of the three. 
In which case, we need to understand. What is lacking in each of the three explanations that Rashi could not have been satisfied with any one of them and needed to bring the others? And more specifically, why would you say that the second explanation is more difficult to accept than the first? And why would you say that the third explanation is the most difficult to accept? And last question, Gimel Kfarnis, we've explained numerous times in the past. If Rashi does in fact quote three different explanations on a Pasuk, as mentioned, of course, each one of them has a particular sticking point. Which would be resolved when you look at the other two commentaries. But besides that, there's probably, you can expect, a common theme in two out of the three explanations that is a similar problem. And the third explanation will resolve not only what's missing in the second explanation, but the common theme of the weakness of both preceding explanations. Because logically, because if theoretically two comments or commentaries would have explained everything, Rashi would never have needed a third explanation. The fact that he needs a third explanation tells us that there are still holes in the prior explanations. So if that's the case, in the exploration of our Rashi, we also have to find not only that each one of the three has something lacking about it, but specifically that the first two explanations have a common question around them. And then we have to see how does the third explanation resolve that common problem. Okay, so our first question was, why is Rashi not satisfied to say that Yitzchak grew old and therefore his eyesight failed? Why is that not good enough? The reason Rashi didn't want to take the path of least resistance. That the reason his eyes began to fail is because of age. Because because that would actually raise a far bigger question. We've already seen in the preceding parasha that that the Eibishter himself blessed Yitzchak. And there's a reason for that. Because Rashi tells us, Avram Avinu was hesitant. He was afraid to bless Yitzchak. Because what was he afraid of? Yitzchak is going to produce an Esav. And maybe if we give brochas to Yitzchak, Esav will get some of those brochas. So Omar, therefore, Avram Avinu said, Yavoy bala brochas Let he who is the master of all brochas give the brochas to Yitzchak. Therefore, that's what happened. So as Rashi says, David blessed Yitzchak. Now, you've got to ask yourself this question. How many people in history have had a direct bracha from Hashem like Yitzchak did? So considering then that Yitzchak is this unique human being who got a bracha directly from Hashem. How then does it work, make sense that Yitzchak should have a disability later on in life? He got a bracha from Hashem. And what kind of a disability? One that is very painful and causes a lot of suffering to the person. So 
extensive is the pain to the extent that Rashi himself tells us that a person with that sightlessness is considered almost like they're dead. Now, you've got a bracha from Hashem and that's what lands up doesn't make any sense. And it surely makes perfect sense. If they wish the master of all brachas, blessed Yitzchak, then surely Ziknosoi, his age, but especially in context of the ages of people at that time, to go blind at 123, 123 at that stage of history wasn't yet considered old, it was considered older. Could have ensured that if for whatever reason it was his destiny to lose his sight, it wouldn't have to be for 57 years. Because he lived much longer than 123. Shouldn't need it. Therefore, sorry, one more point, and that is that you don't find any reference in the Torah about any of the other people who lived very long. Who lived way beyond 123 years. We don't find that any of them went blind. So here's a person who got a brocha from Hashem, in which case you expect peak health, and he's not yet that old, and there's no reference to anybody else turning or losing their eyesight at an advanced age before Yitzchak, doesn't make any sense to say because he's old, that's why he's losing his eyesight. That's why Rashi was forced to find other possible reasons. The explanation being, He has to assume that, generally speaking, normal health at that time, and especially for somebody who's been blessed by Hashem himself, were it not for external factors, the expectation should have been that Yitzchak Avinu would never have had weakness in his eyes, like Moshe Rabbeinu. Therefore, Rashi says it has to be. There have to be external factors that came to, into play. They caused the weakening of Yitzchak Avinu's eyes. Now we have to start the search to find what those external factors were. Because as soon as you read that Yitzchak's eyes degraded, you immediately have the question we've just mentioned. How does it make any sense that Yitzchak, who was blessed directly by Hashem himself, should have lost his eyesight? You must assume then, if this is a, a, a question that stares you in the face when you read this pasuk, the answer must lie somewhere in the vicinity in the other pasukim. Considering that the mention of Yitzchak losing his eyesight is listed in the Torah straight after or close after in the previous Pasuk about Esau's wives that they were a cause of pain and discomfort to Yitzchak and Rivka. Why? Because they served Avodah 
So the logic says, well, that's probably where you're going to find the reason why Yitzchak loses his eyesight. It's the most logical place to look. What were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about Esav's wives, and now we see that Yitzchak loses his eyesight. Must be a link. That's why Rashi quotes that explanation. That the explanation why he loses his eyesight is because of their smoke. That's the first explanation and the main explanation is going to give because it's the one that fits best into the context. It's there in the Psukim in this vicinity. Well, the shared lack in the other two explanations is that neither of them will be as clearly um, alluded to in the Psukim. On the other hand, there are still two problems with this explanation, that it's because of the smoke of the incense, the idolatrous incense of Esau's wives, that's why Yitzchak lost his eyesight. Number one, practically, Aleph. We obviously assume that Esau's wives did not live in the same house as Yitzchak did. They obviously lived in their own space. And of course it has to be that their behaviors, that they served idols and that they brought all this incense, they must have done in their private quarters. If that's true, it's quite far-fetched then to say they're living a distance away, doing their thing in their space, and that's going to be so powerful that it affects Yitzchak's eyes in such a strong way, hard to believe. But here's another practical problem. How come it's only Yitzchak who was affected by the smoke and not Rivka? And yes, of course, Rivka did grow up in an environment of Havoy Zorah, but smoke is smoke. <laughs> it either affects you or doesn't affect you. And therefore, because there are these two problems in the initial explanation, therefore, Rashi had to look further afield to find other explanations. So now let's have a look at the other two explanations and where the weakness lies in each of them. The weakness in each of the other two explanations is as follows. The first explanation being that Yitzchak on the Mizbech, ready to be slaughtered, evoked, invoked this, this crying of the angels that jam, damaged his eyes. And Beis, the second one is Kedesh Yitel Yaakov Sabrochus, was to facilitate Yaakov Avinu receiving the Brochus. Besides their shared weakness, which is they are not hinted at in the Pasuk, Besides that, the problem with the second explanation is that concept that the heavens opened and the angels saw what was going on and they cried and their tears fell into his eyes and therefore he lost his eyesight. <laughs> That's a long way from Pshat. That is very much in the world of Medrash. It is in no way the style or the content of the simple understanding of the Psukim, which is Darko Shal Rashi which is normally the content that Rashi would discuss. 
So it's quite outside of the purvey of Rashi to start talking about such a wild midrash about Malachim crying into Yitzchak's eyes. So that's a weakness. It doesn't really speak the language of Pshat. Whereas the third explanation has the biggest question of all. How could we possibly justify that the Eibishter should weaken Yitzchak's eyes for over five, almost six decades? Only for the benefit of another person, Yaakov, that you cover all the days of that he should get the Brochus. Especially when you consider that David has infinite ways in which he could make things happen. Surely there has to be another way that David could, could have facilitated Yaakov Avinu getting those brochus. Because the, that question on this third explanation is such a whopper question. Far greater than the question against the second explanation that it's Midrash, not Pshat. Because the thought of causing distress and pain to one person, so that another person should be able to benefit, seems completely unjust. Surely injustice is the last thing we should be saying in reference to Hashem. Therefore, that's why Rashi places this explanation lost. Commonly ill, we already noted earlier that the reason all three explanations are included is because each one of them has a certain element to it which is better or more useful or more insightful than the other two. Or the signal and Acher to say that slightly differently. Every one out of two commentaries will have some weakness, or some way in which it feels like we're forcing the point, which they hold in common, which in the third one doesn't exist. So we can divide this three ways, put explanations one and two together, three will have an advantage over them. Two and three together, one will have an advantage over them. Three and one together, two will have an advantage over them. So let's first look, what is the big advantage of the first explanation, which is to say that Yitzchak was sensitive, obviously, to the smoke of his daughters-in-law, and that's what affected his eyes. So the advantage there is, we've already mentioned it, because out of the three, this is the only one that seems to be alluded to in context, in the conversation, in the psukim at that point. The advantage of the second explanation that it's the tears of the angels that damaged his eyes over the other two explanations is because the fikola pirushim, the other two explanations, what's common right across all three is that how did Yaakov get the brochus? Because Yitzchak's eyesight failed him. Elo. The only thing is this. According to the first explanation, how did his eyes get damaged? From smoke of Avodazar. Well, that means that uh, something negative happened. Likely, 
likewise the third explanation that he was robbed of his eyesight to facilitate Yaakov getting the brochas, both of those have a negative element to them. The Pirosharish and the negative element of the first explanation is Mitzad Oshan Shal It's the impact of a very toxic environment, Avoidazara smoke. And according to the third explanation, the negative side is that Yitzchak wanted to give the brochas to the wrong person, to Esav, and Abishta had to interfere and blind him so that he would give the brochas to Yaakov. So according to explanation one and explanation three, it's something very negative that precipitated something positive, brocha. Not so comfortable to say that. Whereas when you go with the second explanation, to the contrary, you know why Yitzchak lost his eyesight? Because of something amazing in his life. His willingness to give up his life for Hashem. So that's the advantage of the second explanation over the other two. And lastly, the third explanation, which is that the only reason Yitzchak lost his eyesight was to facilitate Yaakov getting the brochas, has an advantage over the other two. Because the Fishnei Apurushim Hori Shoinim, in context of the first two explanations, the concept of Yitzchak losing his eyesight, must have happened years before Yitzchak got old. The Pasuk says that his eyesight failed when he was old. So it's either Either the problem began when Esau married these Canaanite women, when Esau was 40, which means Yitzchak was 100 years old, we know that because the Torah tells us clearly that at the time of the birth of Yaakov and Esav, Yitzchak was 60. So that would mean 23 years before it became relevant, he was already losing his eyesight. That sounds very unfair. According to the second explanation that it tracks back to the Akedah, it's even worse. Where the cause of his blindness is the tears of the Malachim. That's way before. That's when Yitzchak is 37. It's like 90 years earlier almost. According to those two explanations, they would have to address the Pasuk. Why would the Pasuk first say Yitzchak grew old and then tell us he started to lose his eyesight? Surely, according to the first two explanations, the order should have been the other way around. In order of how it happened. So, his eyes began to deteriorate either from the age of 37 or even from the age of 100. And then, he got old after that. That's how Rashi had to find a third possible explanation, which was that the intention was that Yaakov should be able to take those brochas that were originally intended for Esav. That would actually explain very well the order of the Psukim. First, Yitzchak got old. And therefore, when he got old, that's when he wanted to give the brochas, specifically the brochas to Esav. Therefore, made him lose his eyesight so that Yaakov could receive the brochas. Okay, that's the technical explanation of Rashi and why it is that you have to have three explanations and why each one of them is empowered in one area and weak in another area. The question is, what do we learn from this? 
Rashi, one of the lessons we can learn comes from that third explanation. That it's actually a lesson in how careful we have to be to avoid Lashon Hora at all costs. Because what's happening over here? Yitzchak wants to give Esav the bracha. The Eibishter says that's not the right thing to do. So he makes Yitzchak blind so that he'll give Yaakov the bracha. The Chayra. Surely the Eibishter had a far easier way to ensure that Yaakov would get the brachas that he deserved. What is that? Let the Eibishter tell Yitzchak, look, Esav behaves very nicely towards you and he asks all these complicated halachic questions. But the reality is he's rotten to the core. Therefore, you should give the brachas to Yaakov. So much smoother than being blind for 57 years. Yitzchak was no fool. He was fully aware of the fact that Esav's wives are idolaters. Maybe he defended Esav and said Esav had nothing to do with it. He didn't have the power to have a positive influence over them. And the truth is, even with regards to Esav himself, he knew that he wasn't so perfect. Because we know when Yaakov walks in and he invokes Hashem's name, Yitzchak's like, what? It's most unusual for Esav to speak about the Ebishter. So he knows that Esav is far from perfect. If that's already true. If you consider that Yitzchak already had some suspicions about Esau's integrity. So then, all Abishta had to do was tell him, well, you know what, you're, you're not wrong and actually it's worse than you think. Esau's bad. Yitzchak wouldn't have to lose his eyes. I didn't get a clear message from Hashem. And surely that's as good as it gets. This illustrates for us how much a person has to be sure to avoid Loshan Hora. The reality of what happens over here is Yitzchak spends 57 years almost locked up in his house and like almost a dead person. Just to be sure that we don't say about a Jewish person, even though this is a Jewish person who's a complete heretic, Esav, don't speak badly about him. If that's true about how it is or isn't appropriate to speak about Esav, if we're discussing Jewish people post-Matan Torah, after Hashem made the commitment to every single Jewish person, I am your personal God. Which means that the highest degrees of divine experience, your strength and your vitality. How much more so do we have to run as far as possible from even a whiff of speaking negatively about a fellow Jew?